This podcast is made possible by supporters like you. Mahalo. And by Atlas Insurance Agency, Hawaii's largest professional agency, helping Hawaii navigate insurance solutions since 1929. More at atlasinsurance.com. Hello, my Kako. Welcome to a new episode of What School You Went, where we start every conversation with this question. I'm Ron Mizutani, and today we're talking about an unsolved crime that happened 40 years ago, the murder of Lisa Au. On January 31st, 1982, 10 days after she was reported missing, the 19-year-old's nude decomposing body was found in a ravine off Tantless Drive. For several years, police pursued one of their own, a police officer suspected of her murder, while the real killer walked the streets. I want to welcome back award-winning journalist Robbie Dingman to the program. Robbie is the editor-at-large of Honolulu Magazine. Robbie has been a storyteller for many years with our daily newspapers, on television, and on the web covering politics. She covered crime. She's also co-authored two books, Honolulu Homicide, Murder and Mayhem in Paradise, and Honolulu CSI, An Introduction to Forensic Science and Criminal Investigation. Welcome back, Robbie. Thanks for having me. Good to have you here. Full disclosure, Robbie and I were colleagues at KHON2 and, and some of the best years of my professional life, and I'm sure yours as well. That's for sure. Yeah, you know, the story of that rainy night uh, on January 20th, 1982, I remember that as well. I was a senior in high school that at that time. Uh, Al had just finished work at the Susan Beer Salon in Kailua. Uh, she had told coworkers that she was going to see her boyfriend, Doug Holmes, at his sister's apartment in Makiki. Now, according to police reports, she stopped to buy poke, and after dinner, she headed home to Kailua, but that's when people realized she never arrived. Her body was found. But tell us a little bit about that, uh, that evening and the circumstances with Doug Holmes and what you folks have discovered through the years and, and through your research. Yeah, I've got a few years on you, Sue. I was in college, but I was not yet um, a, a reporter covering it. And but I lived in Kailua. I traveled at night. I worked as a supermarket cashier to pay for college, and that it was still very much a small town. You know, you know, you mm-hmm. know the area. <laughs> uh, very much a small town, and um, she did also know a lot of people through the salon and through being a small town. So the way I, I recall it happening was that, again, she was not reported missing right away. It mm-hmm. took another twenty-four hours. And, of course, you know that that's not a thing that only in TV shows, fictional TV shows, do they say you have to wait 24 hours before you report a missing person. But when the her car was found when she did not, um, eventually she did not get home. And her car was found on the side of the Pali Highway near where the Kailua Drive-In was. And the windows were rolled down and her purse was open and her driver's license and car registration were missing. And that's one of the reasons that police looked to another police officer was because of the circumstances of that, that it looked suspicious. It looked like she'd been pulled over. Mm -hmm. And so people looked at that. But uh, just to add to that, it was a rainy night. And and what I remember uh, through reports that that her purse um, was dry and that perhaps it was a sign that somebody had just put it back after which means something happened to her, clearly. Um, I'm not sure if that's a huge point of interest, but 
That was something that when, when police arrived, they thought was odd, that her purse had been dry. Yet it, the rest of her car was soaked because her window was open, like you said. Yeah, and it was. It was a rainy night. And um, it was also unusual because she had met up with her boyfriend and the sister. They'd eaten enchiladas that they'd made. Mm-hmm. And then they came back. And then she left. And she mm-hmm. left them in town. But there were other questions about, did she really leave town or Mm -hmm. did someone else plant her car there? Did whatever happened to her, what led to her death, did it happen in town? And then someone placed the car there with the disturbed purse and the ID missing to throw people off. Uh, There was a police officer who lived down the street from her parents and so the suspicion threw on him because he'd had some other uh, minor ups and downs. It, he had not been um, convicted of any crimes, but there were some questions, and that's what led people to know that, to think that, well, if it's the parent's neighbor and he pulled up alongside her, that perhaps, you know, she would have stopped if she had no reason to fear a neighbor. And then the other thing that I think keeps Uh, This tragedy of a young woman's life cut short in our minds is also that was at the time where uh, police could still have um, police officers who drive their own subsidized vehicles. So they drive their own personal vehicles for work and then they are um, given the gear that they need to do police work. So sometimes they have the the light that they can pop on top of the car. But at the time, they could still put blue lights or lights inside their grill. And so it could look like a civilian car, but then they could flip on the blue lights and they could pull people over, and they were doing that at the time. Some of the witnesses who drove by where Lisa's car was found reported that they saw a car that matched that description. Other people said along that time, along that road, that they saw police off, uh, a car like that, police private, being uh, pulling over other cars. So that's something else that threw the suspicion in the way of the police. They spent a lot of energy and resources on this officer. Um, he became, uh, and it became very public, so much so that, I mean, we talked about it just before we went on. Uh, it became a, a, a fear thing for many, many people because they thought a police officer was killing people or at least pulling people over. So every time you saw a blue light, if you were a Wahine driving alone, especially on the windward side, there was fear there, was there not? Yeah, there was a lot of fear. I mean, mm-hmm. I drove those roads all the time at around that time, and mm-hmm. I mean, I was the same age. And then the the serial killings uh, started, and you know, five women died within the um, that eighteen month period, and that was really frightening. So, in response to all of that, the law changed so that um, it's illegal to have those lights in the grill now. And then at the time, and you probably remember too that women driving alone, we were told. If somebody pulls you over and you're not sure about it, you don't listen. You just keep driving and drive to a police station yeah. or drive to some place of, of safety where there's other people around. All of this effort on a suspect that uh, was an officer spent so much resources. And, and some even say public pressure uh, forced PD to, HPD to do things that maybe they, sh- they wouldn't have. Um, what, what, what did your research, uh, you know, did you find – when perhaps the real killer was still walking around and and never to be confronted yet. Well, I have interviewed people on both sides of it. So there did seem to be a, a split, and some of the investigators did suspect the police officer, who I guess wasn't well-liked, 
And then other people said, no, it wasn't him. It didn't, none of this physical evidence matched that. And other people looked at the boyfriend. And in, indeed, that's always right. You look to the people closest to you. Unfortunately, the odds are if any of us are going to get murdered, we're probably going to be murdered by someone we know. You know, right. So be nice to you. Be good to your loved ones because more times than not, someone uh, gets into a situation with someone that they actually know. So there were people investigating the boyfriend. And I know that um, news crews have gone to Australia where he moved to afterward and interviewed him. He has always said that he did not have anything to do with the case, but I have spoken with some of the investigators who felt very strongly that that lead should have been pursued and that there was evidence to indicate that they had he had acknowledged that they had argued that night. And so I, you know, was it the rainy night? Was it the fact that people were thrown off at the beginning? Was the public pressure to solve this case? Because again, if you look, like Diane Suzuki, Lisa Ao was somebody else that we could have known. You could have gone to school with her. I could have gone to school with her. Mm-hmm. We, She was just somebody who appeared to be a victim out of nowhere. So again, I feel like our community, we're identifying with what's happening to our community that people are getting killed. They're not in a fight. It's not a drug deal gone bad. It's not of somebody being robbed. You know, it, it didn't make any sense. It was seemed more like a a terrible tragedy that was unexplainable. And I think that that deeply strikes fear into all of us because it makes us feel like if it's not me, now it's my daughter's or, yeah. or you know, your niece or somebody we work with. You know, like Diane Suzuki, would they, they, they had posters of Diane everywhere uh, in her search when she went missing. Uh, we saw images of Lisa Ao, uh, her graduation picture that was all over the news every day during this for, for weeks on end. Uh, and so, yeah, you got that connection of a smiling young woman who had such a huge future ahead of her, and, and all of a sudden, poof, she was gone. Um, so where are we today? And the family, this family too did not get closure. Parents passed away before anything happened. It's an open case, is it not? Yes. Murder cases aren't closed. So if someone did come forward, if someone had a change of heart and a witness or or someone who was close to the case came forward, then the case would, would go forward. Um, it would go to trial if someone was... It's just, you know, Ron, as, as the farther it gets away from the memories fade and it's harder to make a case because the physical evidence disappears. Mm-hmm. But definitely, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are other people who, who knew Lisa who knew Diane, who would definitely um, hope that someone would come forward and that they could have the closure. I know it was always so sad. I I remember on the anniversaries of the death, Mm -hmm. some of the um, the dad would go back and he'd be interviewed at her grave. Yeah. Again, he too, like the the Suzuki parents, the owl parents died before any closure was met. They had exhumed her body um, uh, several years later. But the medical examiner could not determine any cause of death. Could they do that again, though? I mean, with more technology, that was 40 years ago. Is there new technology? Is there new things that could even help solve this crime that maybe didn't exist, like you said, in the tool chest for HPD back then? I'm not sure that I'm not aware of tools that could especially help at this time. 
they can. There have been cases where they've been able to exhume a body a second time and find information. But I, the ones that I'm more familiar with had to do with cause of death. And so they, the, the person's body provides the evidence. But I don't know how, as you recall, when the, the person walking their dog found her body, it had been days. And so there was um, some, there was a fair amount of decomposition. If I'm recalling it correctly, the exhumation um, confirmed that she'd been murdered. Yes. But, uh, but as far as evidence of... It didn't say who did it, sadly enough. Yeah. Yeah. They tried to determine the cause of death, I think, but the ME came up a little empty on some of, some of the things that they were looking for. Um, you know, when, when, you, when you hear about these stories um, and you've done your research and you folks, you, you, you wrote a book about it uh, as well as uh, forensic science and how that has helped solve crime. Today you're, you, you've moved on to a different career, but you're still storytelling. Does this stuff that you covered as a, politi- a political reporter and a, and a police reporter, how does that impact you in your professional life today? I mean, definitely, it always sticks with you, the certain cases especially. I mean, if you ask, you know, you, I'm, you have friends who are police officers too. The ones that stick with you are the ones where, like this, that it seems like somebody who's just in the wrong place or something went wrong or, or, or cases that involve kids. I mean, something that just seemed like these mysteries that should be able to, there should be some justice found. They think they, they do stick with me. And of course, they also stick with you on how you treat your kids, right? You know, For sure. tell your kids you call. You, or I mean, now we have cell phones, but, you know, you, you check on people more often and you warn them about things and you try not to tell them too often that, well, you know what crime happened here when you drive by those places. Yeah. But yeah, it definitely sticks with you. I know i I always you think about um, when I'm in the area. I mean, I, I still live in Kailua, or mm-hmm. I'm back and living in Kailua. And, you know, I drive by that area on a rainy night, and I think about it, and I think it could have been me. You know, that's the thing. I mean, that's what I think is so hard for most of us is that while you always have empathy for any crime victim in our community, the fact that they seem just like like one of us, and it was so easy to think how can how can that be prevented? What went wrong? And how can we help so that people can feel better about at least knowing something about the person they lost? Well said. And and with that, I'm I'm going to ask those who are listening if you know anything about Lisa Ao's death, murder, please step forward because it's still time. It's still time to find closure and 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 provide justice. Uh, same with Diane Suzuki. If you know anything. Please step forward. All right, Robbie, continued success to you. So good to see you. Thank you, Ron. Yes. I, we could, I should come back and talk about food or cooking or something. <laughs> uh, you know, that or politics, but uh, that's, uh, I don't well, that do that either. that going for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Robbie Dingman, thank you very much. Great to see you. All right, mahalo nui for joining us, folks. Join us next week for another episode of What School You Went. Until next time, ahuyo. What School You Went is a PBS Hawaii production. Music by Taimane Gardner. If you enjoyed this episode, let us know on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And tell your friends. You can find us on pbshawaii.org and everywhere you get your podcasts.